From the trails, woods, and waters of the Great Lakes State to the Michigan Talk Network, it's Wild Michigan with your host, Duran Martinez. Michigan. I'm Duran Martinez. Very happy to have you here on this. I don't know. It's like, it's like you know, we're, we're back to that thing. You know, it's spring in the morning or winter in the morning. Then we get to like spring about midday. A little hint of summer in the afternoon, then, then back to fall. You know, we're getting all four seasons back in Michigan once again, but uh, that's okay. We got bow season going on, and we've got our friends at Not Just Guns bringing you the show as they do each and every week. Find them at notjustguns.com and our friends at Conquest Sense. ConquestSense.com both have links on our website, wildmichiganradio.com, and Conquest Sense with the new thermopads that work in your thermocell. If you don't have a thermocell unit right now, uh, or by now, rather, for uh, mosquitoes and hunting, it's truly one of the greatest inventions ever, and it does not interfere with hunting. I've used it up close and personal bear hunting, uh, deer hunting, elk hunting here in Michigan, all in Michigan and in Canada. Never had a problem. Never had a problem with it. And now that you can use the thermopads from Conquest Sense that disperses the uh, VS1 attractant, the rutting buck attractant, or the Evercalm curiosity scent, uh, it, it just, things have just gotten so much cooler. And you can use it as a wind indicator too with the very light uh, puffs of smoke that come off of it. So check out all those things on our website, wildmichiganradio.com. Uh, without further ado, we're going to welcome back from his trip to Madagascar fishing the wild dunes or something like that. David A. Rose, how are you, sir? <laughs> I missed that trip somehow. I think I'm good, but wow, I'd like, I must have been in a good place if I don't remember that Madagascar dune fishing trip, I'll tell you. Right. It, just, it just came to mind. I don't even know how that works. I'm not that creative. <laughs> well, no, I get it. Hanging around creative minds like you, uh, David A. Rose is our guest. Uh, Dave, I want to I want to touch on something first uh, that really kind of puts the burr in my saddle, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, recently, here a couple of gentlemen or a group of gentlemen were caught um, poaching. Um, they they came from Colorado to go salmon fishing on the Muskegon River. You know that's all well and good. We we welcome the out of state money and the opportunity for people to see what Michigan has to offer. But when you um, catch four hundred and sixty pounds of illegally caught salmon, I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna have an issue with you. Yeah, it's an unfortunate thing. You know, the salmon brings out the worst in a lot of people, and I don't ever understand what it is. You know, I've been in the Traverse City area forever. You know, we've had the Boardman River flowing right downtown, which has always had salmon since I've been alive. And, um, you know, the Elk River, the Betsy River, the Platte River, you name it, and the Big Man of Steve, which is actually where that uh, poaching case took place there by Tippy Dam. Um, yeah, it's it, it, it can be, you know, a lot of guys and gals, they just want to go out there and try and catch a fish or two and, and then you got people like this raping and pillaging a, a perfectly good, uh, you know, source. Uh, I don't know what they were doing. They must have had some kind of a, you know, if they probably, if the, you know, authorities dug into this more, there's probably some kind of a sales ring or something like that going on because 
unless they just got a lot of friends that they, you know, wanted some fish or something like that. But, um, yeah, that's a lot of fish, and it's an unfortunate situation when uh, when people have to ruin something like that. You know, the, one of the articles reads that they were using illegal tackle and have a 17 salmon taken by illegal methods. Um, you know, when you have that quantity the weight adds up because this is the fall time. They're going on the spawning run. Uh, they're coming in from the big waters, and we're full of coho and chinook right now, which are, are great fish and so much more fun to catch legally, in, in my opinion. But since uh, oh, we are in yeah. mind, we don't know what, what motivates people, I guess. You know, unfortunately, you know, money's the root of all evil. And like I said, there may be, I mean, this is just me assuming, and you know what they say about people that assume. But anyway, I mean, that's a lot of fish. And in the photos that I've seen from after the bust, a lot of that weight in fish, I do believe, was fish that were already filleted out because they had bags and bags of fillets, you know, along with X amount of, you know, fish laying there that were still whole that they, you know, caught them red-handed with. And, um you know, unfortunately, that kind of stuff has gone on for a long time. Again, I mentioned being in Traverse City, the Boardman River. You know, back in the day when they said, you know, snagging salmon was legal, it was actually only legal in three rivers. You had the, um, and they were below, like a mile stretch or whatever, below uh, three specific dams. And that was on the Asabo River, the Big Manistee River, and the Muskegon River. Other than that, <clears throat> it's been illegal to snag salmon since day one. And I'm guessing that was the illegal methods they were using. Who knows? They could have been using a big hoop net or something like that. I wasn't there. I haven't read the full report. But, you know, you know, it's salmon, even when they're getting older, I mean, you cast body baits like, you know, bombers or rapalos or this and that, um, thunder sticks, whatever, big spinners, spoons. Those salmon, you know, they, ever since they were hatched out of their little egg, they've been striking out at things, trying to, you know, sustain their, their living. And, um, yeah, it's even when they're, you know, they don't technically eat when they're in the river, you can get them to hit lures and spawn big chunks of spawn or whatever. And, yeah, those guys and gals did not have to snag. No, they didn't. And, you know, it's really funny. Had they been legally licensed, they could have been able to take up to like 30 fish. Okay, legally, and they had forty to fifty already filleted out, like right. you said, in, in their in their possession, and and hats off to this concerned citizen that confronted these guys and contacted the DNR, saying, "Hey, you know what the hell are you doing?" So that right there, uh, yeah, is so cool because so many people just don't want to get involved; they don't want to say anything. But you know what? This affects all of us. Uh, individually and as a group of sportsmen, because one, it makes us look bad, especially to those who are opposed to our lifestyle and the things we like to do. Uh, And then, you know, just to let it go on, that hurts the resource. Yeah, yeah, it's a lose-lose all the way around. Like you said, it's, it's amazing, you know, as a hunter and angler, some people might not realize just how many people are anti hunting and fishing and think we should just, you know, buy meat from the store or just eat vegetables all the time. And they don't realize, you know, a lot of us like to go out and actually capture our own, you know, protein and whether it's fishing or hunting or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's, it's stuff like this, you know, unfortunately there was that tournament that was, uh, a lot of people would to heard about the walleye tournament where, you know, some illegal stuff was happening there with padding fish with lead weights and whatnot. And, 
you know, that that has really put, I mean, people that don't fish, they just think all anglers are just, you know, liars, cheaters, whatever, and it's an unfortunate thing. David A. Rose is our guest here on Wild Michigan, uh, <laughs> wildmichiganradio.com. Uh, yeah, you know, David, look, when you're putting like three and four ounce weights and, and stuffing stuffing walleye fillets that you've already caught of other fish down the gullet of that other walleye to, to make a bigger weight, I mean, come on. What, what makes you think that you're not going to get caught? Yeah, you know, and unfortunately, again, this is all hearsay and stuff like that, but those guys have been under a lot of people's radar just because, you know, it's one thing to win a tournament. You know, wow, that's awesome. Sometimes some of the professionals, because, you know, I used to cover for the PWT and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Once in a great while, maybe the next year, somebody wins a second tournament, but not till the following year. Um, Or, you know, there's been, you know, where they placed really high in the, you know, rankings or something. But you don't win tournament after tournament after tournament after and go on and and a lot of people. I mean, this is this is last year and whatnot. I had a lot of you know friends that are still in the professional fishing and they're like, wow, that's mm, something's got to something's got to be going on here because I don't care how good you are, <laughs> there's only one winner, you know. Yeah, we you know we talked to Captain Hunter Angle, uh, a good friend of mine, last week on the show. His dad is Captain Dave Angle, who is uh, you know. A, a notorious champion of, of the Great Lakes, but even that guy doesn't win tournament after tournament. We're speaking with David A. Rose right now. We're going to take right. a short break, and we're going to come back, talk more with Dave right here on Wild Michigan on the Michigan Talk Network. You can join us on Facebook or listen to podcasts all from our website at wildmichiganradio.com. Now, back to Duran Martinez and Wild Michigan. Hey, up in the backwoods, down in the holler. Old boys feeling like a dog on a collar. Keeping that shameful tight. Waiting on Saturday night. Welcome back to Wild Michigan. I'm Duran Martinez. Very happy to have you here. And uh, smack dab in the middle of bow season 2022. And if you've got uh, pictures that you would like to share with us, by all means, send me your photos. Man. I mean, whether it's from the tree stand or what, you know, maybe you took a turkey with a bow or you got a, you got a, a doe, a spike. We, we do not judge here. We want to share those things with our friends on Facebook, social media, and of course our website, wildmichiganradio.com. Uh, your success is our success because, you know, we, we share all of this together and uh, it, it's just a lot of fun. And of course, we uh, recently asked a question on our Facebook page about uh, what broadhead do you use? Do you like mechanical or do you like fixed blade? Uh, I got a lot of different answers and, you know, I, I was very happy to see the the limited response of some people just don't do research. You know, okay, look, I don't, care what your opinion is of other people i ask a simple question mechanical or fixed blade uh and what do you use that's it you know i don't care if you're using a 400 grain you know 16 sided blade made in germany before the cold war all right just keep it simple so very happy about that overall. Uh, David A. Rhodes is joining us via the Conquest Sense hotline right now. Uh, we talked a little bit about the, the poaching issue that came up uh, here on uh, the Muskegon River. 
just about a week ago, or under a week ago, uh, where uh, some guys from Colorado came in, decided they wanted to try and take 463 pounds of salmon illegally, and uh, found out that was a very bad idea. So they go back to Colorado, weighing a little less in the old pocketbook and very short in the uh, salmon category. Uh, David A. Rose, um, I saw you working at the Weir uh, up in Traverse City. I mean, like on a somebody else's... Uh, video. I'm like, hey, I know that guy. I mean, I felt like I was like one degree of separation from Kevin Bacon for a minute. <laughs> yeah, the downtown Traverse City, there is a salmon weir. And I have worked there legitimately since the late 80s. And I mean, I literally only work maybe five, six days a year there. And that's during the harvest time. And they always have me up on the sorting table because I Somehow, at a glance, I can tell the difference between a Chinook and a Coho without even, you know, studying it. Um, and so they, you know, and we pass steelhead and we pass brown trout. So we want to know when those come through. We can, uh, we get a scale sample. We'll weigh them and we'll uh, get the lengths on them and see if there's any fin clips, decide whether it's a male or female. And that way they can, they can look at those scale samples and age the fish and know the health of the fish. And then we pass those above the weir. So the browns and the steelhead get passed. Uh, and at this particular facility, it is just a harvest weir. The meat gets used for human consumption, uh, pet food consumption, uh, fertilizer, and also the eggs uh, are, are purchased by bait companies. And, you know, when you buy jars of salmon eggs or whatever, that's where a lot of these things come from. And there's a caviar market, too. So the Boardman River gets a large stocking of salmon it wouldn't normally get because of that salmon weir. You know, it's funny. I saw you looking. You're like, you put one down one chute and then one down a different chute. I'm like, what is he doing? And how does he know what he's doing? I mean, I know I know he's David A. Rose and everything, but what is he doing? And, and that really explains it. And I didn't get a chance to ask you that. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. I get, you know, somebody up on the sorting table with me and stuff like that and I'll they're like, which one's this? And I'll just glance at it and go, you know, it's coho. They're like, well, how can you tell? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I've been doing this too long. And then, and then I have Heather, the biologist, come over and go, okay, and you know, he counts this and look at the spots and the mouth. You know, the coho has, you know, real dark mouths and gums, where the, you know, or vice versa. You know, and so it's just I just look at him and go, ah, coho, ah, chinook. You know, so I've, I've even had to, you know, show, show some folks in the. Because, you know, these fish change so much when they come up in the river, and they're mm-hmm. actually a little easier to decide which is which when they're in the river because the cohos get a real specific look to them and the, and the Chinook get a real specific look to them. Um, and that can be harder out in the big lake, you know, in the spring or in the summer when you catch a, you know, a small king or a large coho. Sometimes you got to look at it and go, okay, that's when you have to look at the mouth and the mm-hmm. spots on the tail and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, was very, it was very cool to watch. You, you know, it was a brief video, but... It's it's something that I have never seen physically before, whether on camera or, or in person. And, uh, man, oh, man, you guys went through a lot of fish. You know, and actually, it's funny, you know, obviously with the salmon numbers down because, you know, of lower stocking, because we can get into the whole thing there, you know, no hardly any LYs and then blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, you know, this year, what did we do about? 5,000, 6,000 fish that went through there in five harvests. So that's not that's not too bad. <clears throat> there have been years where we've done like 25,000 fish. Wow. Um, 
And, you know, this year the, the fish were bigger because uh, the, the LY population did increase a little bit. And, of course, three and two and three years ago they, um, you know, stocked the uh, coho and the Chinook. And so there's a little more food out there. The coho were, you know, two to three pounds heavier than their average. And, uh, man, I threw a lot of, I threw a lot of 20-plus pound Chinook down a tube um, and right now I've got a uh, thumb brace on because my <laughs> my thumb and wrist are letting me know that uh, yeah that there's tendons in there that aren't happy with me. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you just really kind of feel it. If you and the Aleve are best friends for like the next few days, <laughs> you know, I, I get really used to it, and I've, I've had a lot of compliments. You know, I'm I'll be 55 here in a couple months, and I'm up there on that sorting table. I got it down to a science, you know, and, and it's. You know, I, I got a ruptured disc, two herniated discs. I already got a fake hip and two knees that need replacing, and I'm standing on cement and throwing fish. Yeah, it can wear you out a little bit. It yeah, can wear you out. I, I can see that just a little bit, and I being just a year older than you, I trust me, I, I fully, fully understand. <laughs> David A. Rose joining us here on the Conquest Sense Hotline. We are being brought to you by our friends at Not Just Guns. Look for their uh, their auctions at notjustguns.com or go and see Mike and the gang in person right there in Mason Cedar Street at 127. Uh, so what's uh, what's next on the, uh, the agenda for David? Because have you put the boat away yet? Because we got some really warm days coming out. Yeah, you know, I never really put my boat away. Now, I admit I didn't get to use my boat nearly as much as I thought I should, which um, is an unfortunate thing. You know, I, I had some, uh, oh, not terrible health issues, but, uh, you know, the depression, anxiety, and that got to me a little bit, and I didn't get out in my boat as much. So, with that said, I never really put my boat away. My boat is very spoiled. It, it lives, uh, <laughs> when it's not on the water, it lives in a pool barn with heat. So I've I've used it as late as, you know, mid-December and <clears throat> as early as uh, March before. You know, I just don't take it out when the roads are going and stuff. But, you know, right now uh, perch fishing is starting to take off on our inland lakes and the Great Lakes up here in the northwest corner. And um, there's quite a few steelheads showing up in our rivers. And I'm hoping here in the next couple of days I will head down to one of these rivers and drift some spawn sacks or something and catch a couple steelheads. So that should be good. And... Um, Actually, this is a really good time for other panfish like bluegills and crappies, and a lot of people have already put their boat away, and they're missing a they're missing a good opportunity to catch some real nice panfish. You know, we we do we do uh, you know <laughs> preach you know from what you guys tell us, you and Lance Valentine and and Brian Brosdahl, don't put don't put the boat away until it's like absolutely necessary because we will get these warm days and we will have opportunities to get out and do some fishing other than you know like the walleye and things of that nature. David A. Rose, good to have you back on with us, brother. It's been a little bit, and uh, we appreciate you as always. I appreciate being on here. Thank you. Man, it's Wild Michigan. More coming your way. Going to speak with Mike Natkowski about doing some chub fishing for walleye here on Wild Michigan on the Michigan Talk Network. To everyone that has served this great country, keeping us free to enjoy the great outdoors, thank you. From Duran Martinez and Team Wild Michigan. I'm just trying to be a father, raise a daughter and a son, be a lover to their mother, everything to everyone, up and at them bright and early. 
small business in Welcome back to Wild Michigan. I'm Duran Martinez. Very happy to have you here. I'm happy to, happy to be anywhere, man, where you're listening, whether it's on our one of our affiliates or uh, via our podcast at our website, wildmichiganradio.com. We appreciate it. And uh, just uh, watching some live video right now that was recorded uh, as we do our show uh, of Lance Valentine actually out fishing on a river, but steelhead or salmon of some sort. I, can't, I don't know where he's at or what he's fishing for, but it jumped. That wasn't a walleye. <laughs> And uh, it's really good to see Lance out uh, doing some fishing, having some fun on his own. Hopefully, if you're not out hunting, you're going to take advantage of some of the warm days coming up and uh, and get out on some of the rivers because the fishing is fantastic right now. And uh, we are uh, going to talk to Mike Natkowski, outdoor writer, right here on the Conquest Sense Hotline. Nat, uh, welcome back, man. It's been a little bit since you've been here, and I noticed uh, via Facebook, via social media, that you had written an article for Michigan Outdoor News, one of my favorite publications, about fishing walleye with chubs. And I'm like, okay, 16 years, we've talked about uh, crankbaits, we've talked about jigging, we've talked about crawler harness. Why have we missed this, and why are other people missing the same thing? Welcome back, sir. Hey, how are you? I'm Good. doing well. Doing well, thank you. Well, fishing chubs is not a big secret. I mean, it's pretty common knowledge among uh, serious walleye anglers. In the fall, uh, walleyes really have the feed bag on, so they're looking for for big baits and uh, the most uh, move for our uh, most uh, bang for their buck, I guess. So they're keying in on big baits. And as the weeds die, these minnows and such get pushed out of their uh, you know, comfort zone, and uh, they're there for the walleyes to eat. Yeah, it's like you know you spend your whole life hiding, and all of a sudden <laughs> Mother Nature goes, hey, we're going to take your house away and your food. <laughs> yeah, you have no choice. And uh, walleyes certainly take advantage of it this time of the year. Absolutely. I know they're very opportunistic when it comes to their their feeding habits, especially in the fall. And, I mean, really, Dan, my thing is you really cannot beat a live bait. You've got action. You've got natural color. You've got scent. And, and you've got that, that natural uh, fear built inside the fish to a I guess my fish chubs, it's usually for pike and stuff through the ice and I never I've never rigged them for walleye on the river because you have a bit of a faster water going on maybe some kind of structure that might get in the way and you want to rig these things to uh to how they're going to stay yeah absolutely it's pretty simple actually and um not only does it work in the river it works in lakes and you you know you find some structure in the form of rocks or a a gravel bar, and that's the kind of places where you're going to find the the walleyes this time of year. But it's very simple. You just have a main line, and that main line can be uh, braid most of the time. And then uh, you have a barrel swivel, which acts as a stop for an egg sinker. And then a, a three-foot fluorocarbon or monofilament leader with a good-sized uh, octopus-type hook that you hook uh, the chub through the top of the roof of the head, and uh, that's that's it, you know. And it, it allows the rig to slip when a fish bites it. And one thing about the chubs is you've got to give them some time when they first bite. As soon as you feel the initial strike, you feed them line, 
and let them take it because it, sometimes it takes a while for them to get it turned around and swallowed. And uh, then you set the hook. So it, t- it requires a little bit of patience. Yeah, I can imagine. Like I said, this this is something I've never done before. Hang on, we've never even talked about it. And, you know, there's a lot. Of, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening going, you know, I've done that for years. What are you guys just catching on now for? But, again, we've been indoctrinated so much by, by the market of of flash and color and, and noise that uh, the natural thing's been overlooked. Yeah, this is the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> and, uh I was lucky because I had one of the best guides in the world show me how to do it. Last uh, fall, I fished with Mark Martin up at his place in the Keweenaw Peninsula, and we went over and hit a little local lake. And uh, first of all, we went and checked his minnow traps that he had in a creek. And that was uh, that was fun in itself because uh, we didn't know what we were going to find, and we pulled the trap out, and it was just filled with, with chubs and suckers. And uh, we had four traps like that that we uh, pulled and got the bait out of. So we had very fresh, natural, live bait. And most, you know, the preferred size bait is four to six inches, but we had some bigger chubs. And we're glad that we uh, kept some of those. We threw some that we thought were too big back in the creek, but we probably should have kept them uh, knowing what happened the next day because we couldn't find chubs that were too big for the fish to eat. Wow, that's crazy. You know, it's funny, yeah. in all the years we've known Mark and we, we've talked to Mark, I don't think we've ever talked about this. So now now when I throw this back at him, he's like, oh, yeah, I've been doing that for years. I can't wait for this conversation. Yeah, I'd like to tie this on some other bodies of water, too, you know, uh, Muskegon Lake or any of the drowned river mouths got to be primed for it. And uh, we were on an inland lake, but I'm, it works anywhere this time of year, you know, because the walleyes are in the feeding mode and uh, you're giving them what they're looking for. Mike Natkowski joins us here on the Conquest Sense Hotline. We are Wild Michigan. You can find us on our website, wildmichiganradio.com. Pick up the podcasts uh, anytime. We'll be uh, uh, refreshing those here very soon. And, and Nat, I mean, um, going at them this way and and just, you know, almost almost something old and something new in the same respect yeah, absolutely. You know, and this doesn't work just for walleyes. The second day we went and did this on a different lake, uh, our target species was walleye again, but we couldn't find the walleyes, but we caught some dandy smallmouths. I mean, up to six pounds doing the same thing with the chubs, and I'm sure big pike would eat them as well. So it's just a, a good technique this time of year for just about all, you know, big game species. That's awesome, man. When I saw that uh, that post about this article, I'm like, you know, there are so many reasons why we should have talked about this over the years, and so many times we could have talked about this over the years. But again, it, it takes it takes one person like yourself to say, you know, to kind of bring this to light. And that's the advantage of having access to you guys that we do, and I appreciate it. Believe me, is you know, not everybody gets. Uh, Michigan Outdoor News, Woods and Water, or any of the other publications out there, all good, and you write for a lot of them. Um, you know, and, and people that don't even hunt or fish listen to this show. 
and it gives them a, another easy uh, avenue and, and way to get out and learn about fishing for walleye. Yeah, something that a, a lot of us probably wouldn't even try, and you can do right from the shore. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's pretty simple. It doesn't get too much simpler. And, uh, you know, everybody's tuned into the latest techniques and the newest baits when, you know, sometimes going old school can pay big dividends. Absolutely. Mike Nedkowski is joining us. Uh, Mike, I'm going to have you hang on the line here for a minute, and we're going to talk more because I know you got a trip coming up that I'd like to hear about. And uh, and I know you, you like your bird hunting, too. So And that's something that's coming up for us here in Michigan with pheasant season uh, happening uh, very, very soon, if not now. Because I'm so – I don't even look at a calendar anymore, Mike. I don't even know why. I'm not retired. But um, – We've got pheasant opener here in Michigan for the Upland Game Bird. We still have uh, the turkey season going on for fall up until November 14th. We have bow season going on right now. And what you're missing most, probably, if you're doing all that, doing the goose hunting and the duck hunting, you're missing what's going on in the water. I'm Duran Martinez. We're being brought to you by our friends at Not Just Guns, Cedar Street 127 in Mason. Also, Conquest Sense. Find all of those links on our website, wildmichiganradio.com. You can join us on Facebook or listen to podcasts, all from our website at wildmichiganradio.com. Now, back to Duran Martinez and Wild Michigan. Cross the line at an hour to time, Interstate 94, more miles through the Great Lakes State. Turn it up so the bus ain't late, another night in Michigan. Welcome back to Wild Michigan. I'm Duran Martinez being brought to you by our friends at Conquest Sense, ConquestSense.com, of course, makers of VS1, Evercall, Running Buck, all kinds of different scents in a stick, and of course, the new Thermopads. I am, again, I am beside myself. I've been waiting for 15 years for something like this to come out since we got our first thermostat unit, and now you can get them in those scents of Evercalm, VS1, and the Rutting Buck, and they go right inside your thermostat unit and work just like uh, that. And, of course, it is a scent attractant being brought to you by our friends at Conquest Sense uh, of Davison, Michigan. Back on the phone right now with Mike Natkowski, outdoor writer. We talked a little bit about his article coming up in the Michigan Outdoor News about sucker fishing, or I'm sorry, chub fishing for walleye. Of course, some other great species you can catch with that. But Nat, you're getting ready to head out west. Where are you going? But I know there's going to be some foul of sorts involved. <laughs> yeah, we kind of make an annual trip to North Dakota. I go west somewhere uh, every year. I've done it for more than 20 years. It was uh, South Dakota for a while, then Saskatchewan. And with the issues getting across the border, we started going to North Dakota, and it's been pretty successful. You know, I, I always hear good things about bird hunting in North and South Dakota. I mean, because it's that prairie land, it's the, the habitat that, that upland game birds absolutely love. Uh, of course, the pheasant hunting is phenomenal. The, the prairie pothole regions you have, the duck hunting is, is fantastic, which, um, and, and there's another species you told me about off air that I wasn't really quite sure about until now. Yeah. Hungarian partridge are fairly common out there. They're a, fun to hunt they're extremely fast we we think grouse or pheasants are fast but huns can fly 
60 miles an hour, and they're kind of between a rough grouse and a quail as far as size. And uh, they're not real dark meat. They're kind of in between, so they're good to eat. So they're a challenging target. They're very spooky, and uh, sometimes they're really hard to hunt. You know, I'm looking at pictures of them. They're beautiful birds. Got this gray body with a reddish color area uh, around their frontal face region, around their beak. And then they have this, like, black and white patch on their lower belly. Just gorgeous. Yep. If you're fortunate to get a couple and you tie flies, there there's some really nice feathers on them to make soft tackle flies with. So you want to save those. Now, how long have those birds been out there? Because I know it's not something indigenous to that area. Oh, decades, I'm sure. You know, they were originally planted, like, in Iowa and places, and they do well in the open prairie. And I think they're fairly common or native to, like, Saskatchewan. I've shot them a lot of times in Saskatchewan. But I'm not sure about their history. I just know that uh, they're so and they kind of use the habitat between what pheasants would use and what shark tails would use. So they fill kind of a niche out there. Okay, cool. I, I mean, like I said, it's a gorgeous bird. And to hear how fast they are, I think you better take a few boxes of shells with you. Yeah, they can humble you, that's for sure. Now, um, you say what you hunt depends on the weather and 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 ducks ducks are definitely something that is a a, a weather related bird um sky blue days <clears throat> excuse me sky blue days have never been the best for me for duck hunting no i think the most important thing is wind because it helps them orientate you know to your decoys and uh gets them up and moving you can do well on on uh sunny days but a little overcast to help hide yourself and uh Make your decoy so they don't shine is better, but uh, wind, I think, is the most important thing when you're waterfowling. Yeah, I, I learned that with goose hunting, which I haven't done in a while, but I absolutely love goose hunting because, you know, it, facing into the wind the way they land and everything else, and uh, it, it gives them the opportunity. Once once they're, they're locked in, there, there's pretty much no getting out of it is what's beautiful. But yeah, ducks are they, very different. Yeah, they orientate you know, better when we have some wind. When you don't have any wind, they can land anywhere. But if you have some wind, they're going to land into the wind. So you set up your decoy spread to kind of funnel them into the, the center of your spread in good shooting range. And and uh, that way you kind of have an idea where they're going to land rather than just haphazardly landing throughout your spread. So it's, it's better for harvesting birds and uh it just makes your your spread more effective now in that that flyover that you guys are uh, be hunting that area what type of ducks are you seeing well what's cool is the central flyway you never know what you're going to shoot uh the only thing we don't see are black they're kind of a a eastern part of the country Mm -hmm. but uh you shoot everything else i mean we've shot uh, redheads in our field spreads and wood ducks and widgeon and gadwall and pintails are very common out there. So it's kind of cool for a Michigan hunter who's used to shooting mallards and wood ducks to uh, get out there and shoot some of these other species. Yeah, you know, speaking of Mike Natkowski here on Wild Michigan, that they're just ducks are are so just beautiful. It's like I don't know how. Uh, a duck hunter of, of you know 
regular on a regular somebody that hunts ducks on a regular basis rather uh, doesn't have like a room full of taxidermy ducks because I just love looking at them. I love hunting them just as much, but I mean, some of them can be just absolutely gorgeous. I agree. That's the allure of duck hunting. I'm looking at a big redhead I got mounted here and, and a widgeon. And, you know, when I look at those birds, I remember exactly when I shot it and where I shot it. So uh, yeah, ducks, I love hunting ducks because of the variety and how they react. You know, every bird is different and their calls are different. So you know, if you go Canada goose hunting and you shoot a Canada goose, you know what it's going to look like. It might be a little bigger, or a little smaller, but with ducks, you know, uh, the whole scene of, uh, you know, calling them and identifying them is part of the hunt. Absolutely. And just, man, like I said, I've taken some beautiful wood ducks and stuff. And I think Bruce Horrell was on with us once. And, you know, that guy has hunted ducks just like almost every day of his life that he could. And I'd ask him about an old squaw. And he's like, at that point in time, he had never taken one. And I'm like, wait, how, how is that even possible for him? You know, it just, and that to me is like the, the pinnacle of, of beautiful ducks uh, in Michigan. Yep. I checked that one off my bucket list a couple of years ago. I hunted with um, Mike Martin over on Saginaw Bay and got a, Great gold squaw. So, yeah, that was, uh, they're a nice looking bird. They're not the best eating, but they are definitely pretty. Yeah, absolutely. Nat, I tell you what, man, I, I know you're, you're flying out tomorrow and, uh, you got a lot of things going on. Uh, I appreciate you sharing all this stuff with us. And, you know, we kind of live vicariously through our radio sometimes, um, <laughs> to hear, to hear everybody else going. But when uh, when you get back, we'll have to have you back on because I want to uh, report as to how things were out there because um, maybe in the next few years, I'll be doing the same thing to get myself out there and maybe we can motivate some people to go out there as well because I hear those are just fantastic areas for upland game bird hunting. Yeah, and uh, it's no secret. There's lots of people out there. In fact, it's gotten more and more crowded and uh it's it's getting more difficult you know you got to kind of find your own little niche to hunt and uh we don't fly we drive because we have a trailer full of decoys that we have to take with us right we've got about a 15 hour drive ahead of us but it's uh it's worth it when you get there no that's really not that see 15 hours i can do it was that 24 hour drive to sheridan wyoming that uh boy (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm, I hear you. I'll, I flew back from that one, but yeah, the drive out yeah. there, not so much. But um, but yeah. man, I tell you what, I, I'm looking forward to a, a full report to have uh, have you um, give us when you get back. Any uh, any fishing back in Michigan when you come back? Oh, yeah, I hate to even leave right now because <laughs> things are really happening. You know, people don't concentrate on panfish too much this time of year, but they're moving back into the shallows and. Panfish fishing is good. I want to do some steelheading because the rain we had has uh, drawn a lot of steelhead into the river, so I want to get in and do that. Obviously, walleye are biting. I mean, we need – ideally, we could get rid of January and February and get another October and November. It would be ideal. We can all dream, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> we can definitely all dream. But uh, I yeah. tell you what, man, it, it's always great having you on the show here. I appreciate it. And if you missed any of this, 
uh, with Mike Natkowski or uh, David A. Rose here on the show today, uh, by all means, pick up our podcast. It's absolutely free, 24-7 on our website, wildmichiganradio.com. You can see our friends at Not Just Guns, also Conquest Sense, and find out some of the other things that are going on. And there is a link to the Orange Justice on there. I want to bring this up because uh, it's uh, we're going on three, almost four years. I got to relook at this, where we lost a hunter due to a shooting incident. We don't know if it was on purpose or accident. We're still waiting to find out that. We'll talk about that more here in the upcoming shows. But Nat, thank you so much for joining us here. We appreciate it. All right. Good talk to you. Thanks. Absolutely. Look for Mike Natkowski's article in Michigan Outdoor News. Look for David A. Rose anywhere you find finer publications of the outdoors. I'm Duran Martinez. Whole another hour coming your way. Appreciate you joining us here on the Michigan Talk Network.